Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week in the studio, Travis Punterelli. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. It's great to be in here today. Travis, if you've not heard of him, first off, if you've not heard of him, where have you been? A musician. He's been called Bloomington's Troubadour. He, I like to think of as a uh, performer, a songwriter, an entertainer, a teacher. He's sort of an ambassador for music and community. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> He's fanning himself over yeah. here. Well, I think uh, if you're calling me a Bloomington troubadour, I come in a long line of really excellent uh, blooming troubadours. Who were they? Oh, goodness. We've had a bunch. And in recent years, I know a lot of them that are still living. I don't, uh-huh. I don't know too many past, but I, I imagine there's a bunch. I'm thinking uh, my buddy Duke. I've known him for a long time. He wanders around and plays some great music. And my friend Jake uh, Broniker, who's gone to France, excellent. And uh, Mark Haggerty, who's yeah. uh, been a great mentor to me. He's been true, been here for a long time. And uh, Michael White, he's a good one. And uh-huh. Krista Deter, some Ooh, fantastic, uh, fantastic locals that have been paving the way. She sang on the streets, in other words. I like yeah. She sings on the streets. I was just I was in an alley with her last night singing, actually. Wow. Her and Amanda Biggs, so some fantastic Amanda, uh, fantastic troops that that are here. So you make music and you bring people together. You went to Busker University. Yeah, Busker University. Now, what do you mean by that? Okay, well, um, when I was when I was out of school, I got done with it. I said, I'm done with this. I got to get out of here. And I met some traveling kids who were in town and they said, we're going to Canada. And I said, how are you going to Canada? And they said, well, we're, we're going to hitchhike to Canada. And I said, how do you hitchhike? And they're like, well, just come with us. You'll find out. So we just walked off and I got, I think I got a ride from two friends, got us just out of town. And then from there it was across the country in the back of pickup trucks and in other people's cars, which was weird and exciting and a really good education, I think. And um, once we hit the, the West Coast, I found a fellow who said, what are you doing out here without a guitar? <laughs> and uh, John O'Neill, red eye, red eye, something like that. And he bought me a guitar and put me back out there. And so I spent the next couple of years wandering around with a junker guitar and um, eventually a little van and playing music on the street and uh, met a lot of really good friends that way made a lot of good family and learned learned a lot about um, I learned a lot about going slow listening to people and uh, community I suppose about what happens when you stop trying to get somewhere and just sit down and start making your music and um, I think it was a good education so the journey is the destination <laughs> yeah exactly and this sounds, Travis, like a story from 1969. You weren't even born in 1969. 1969, the big year now, 50 years ago, there was Woodstock, there were all these things going on. There's the new Quentin Tarantino movie about uh, the events of 1969. Hmm. Uh, you're a throwback. Well, that's what they said. I, on the same trip that I was telling you about, we got to, we got to Berkeley, climbed out of our big painted hippie van and unloaded all the people and all the dogs and the cat and we sort of stumbled out on the street and some guy on the on the corner goes you're 50 years too late kids <laughs> so uh but but i don't know i don't think so i think we're right on time right now um i think the throwback is is not it's not really a throwback it's like 
you know, I like community. I like music. I like when people get together and make music together. Um, people get together and grow food and do things and talk about real issues. Like that's all. That's all ancient. I think. So yeah, I think we're just right on. It's forever. It's forever. Yeah. It's people. That's what we do sometimes in our good days. Well, as I say, 1969, way before your time, you're about 32 years old. That's right. I am 32. You, as a matter of fact, were born in Southern California. Mm-hmm. How long did you hang out there before you came here? Well, I was about probably a foot and a couple inches long when we came out here and <laughs> settled north of Bloomington before I could think. Um, we were up near the water tower, yeah, you know, five miles north of town, and then we moved into the suburbs by Lake Griffey um, when I was four, five, and we've been there ever since. My parents have been there ever since, and I was out, left town for a while on that trip, and then I came back, and um, I got a lady and a baby, and right now we're living out by Unionville. Lots going on. Now, you went to Bloomington High School North. I did. You dropped out as a senior. I did. Why did you do that? Well, it was a lot of things all leading up to to it um I, I didn't i didn't love school i think i had some i had some good teachers that kept me in there and and uh i don't know kept me from doing some terrible things to myself probably and really kept me on track um some of them i still see around town which is nice um it it happened i think i was i had to pee one day and uh i couldn't use the bathroom because someone was in the bathroom and the bell was gonna ring in a couple seconds and i was like i gotta pee so i went outside and i started to pee um, around, you know, I was hidden and yeah. everything, but one of the teachers saw me. And, oh. and then, so then I got expelled for the minimum amount of time that one could be expelled, which was 11 days. So oh. after 11 days, they let me come back to school. Um, and I think it was probably a, a month or two after that, that I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And enough, uh, enough. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn, not necessarily trying to hoop jump, but you, you strike me as the kind of guy who looks like you would have a hard time sitting in a chair at a desk all day long. Well, I'd, I'd strike you like that, maybe. Um, and I feel like that a lot of the time, but I've been on the computer so much lately, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, just for, I mean, for what I call work, which is like booking gigs, um, recording, mixing, mastering, sending emails to everybody, trying to find out where I can play, how I can play, um, you know, just so much time on the computer. You support yourself through your music yeah, that's correct yeah it's, you're one of the lucky ones we're yeah i'm very very lucky we're we're not um i'd say we're not making any money but we're uh we're not in the hole yet so we're we're treading water which is which i'm you're eating proud of. you have a home you yep. have a way to get around we're doing great we're doing what more great. do you want well <laughs> yeah. yeah where's the genie <laughs> mm. now you then went ahead and you got a GED, mm -hmm. and then you went to Indiana University where you studied 123 I different did. things, I believe. I did. You had a variety of majors. You, you sort of had a, a you know, broken chain of attendance at uh, IU. You would uh, go to a semester, take a semester off, go to the next semester. That's right. Well, we were living in the, in the Bloomington Cooperative Living uh, housing uh, where Middleway House used to be. Uh-huh. So right there on Kirkwood, and I would go to school every day, but that was right during Occupy. And mm -hmm. so every day that I would go to school, I would have to pass by People's Park yeah. and the Occupy movement that was happening there. And every day coming home from school, I would also pass by. So every day I'm going to school, like sitting in sort of like droll drab classes where they want me to fill out a paper that, first of all, no one will ever read. And even if they do, it means nothing. And then I would walk by juxtaposition of like 
somebody on their soapbox like speaking their heart and being passionate about the way things are and wanting to change things and like Mary Hogue like slaving away washing everybody's dishes after hours and like I would walk by this and and see real community happening happening and so that was the I, that semester I'm like all right <laughs> I'm done for a while like let me let me out into the world so I went traveling again and wandered a bit came back so it's been it's been back and forth from the university and and to the travel and I'm still not finished still thinking about going back uh, as a junior here in the spring. I noticed uh, uh, you studied things like Italian, the language. That's right, that's right. Punterelli. We got some family. (laughs) Dance. That's right, too. Theater. Ethnomusicology. Mm -hmm. You play more instruments than i can almost name but i'm gonna try you don't you don't have to it's a lot of instruments a lot of instruments (laughs) what's your favorite well i I like i like singing the best you like singing i like that's your instrument your voice that's my voice that's right and the instruments i i think i wouldn't call myself a an instrument musician because i i um i play them all passably but nothing virtue virtuously <laughs> maybe maybe i play them virtuously but not virtuously right that's you play for gosh sakes the accordion well virtuously yes do you own all these things um not usually so i have a bunch of them um yeah but no i can't i had an accordion for a while um i was borrowing it um Mark's bass is at my house. The big Who's Mark? stand-up, Mark Haggerty. Uh-huh. He's he's my buddy. Um, he's Hank. been on the show. He's been. I bet he has. He's yep. been around for a while. Yeah. You actually studied violin under Donna Bricht. She taught Joshua Bell. That, that's correct. Yeah. She she used to tell me that, that he was her. Uh, he was she was his first student or something like that. She was a she was amazing uh, teacher and a good lady. I studied under her for a few years, maybe two, when I was about six. And I also studied under Anne Dunbar. Uh-huh. Um, she was a piano player in this town who's incredible um, and passed some years ago when I was little. She was an angel, just a great woman. And also Bob Tamburino, who's still around here, who um, I've been playing some music with him uh, in the past past year. He and I have been playing a little bit together. You're a member of a group called the Jefferson Street Music Studio. We'll go into that in a little bit. But on the Jefferson Street website, your bio, there's this quote. Travis has been singing in the bathtub since he was 20 inches long. You have loved music since you were a baby. Uh, yes, that's true. Why? What's what's so Why? great about music? Why? Um, it's... It has a way, it's invisible, right? It's something that is, it's like, it's one of these forces that everybody can feel, mm-hmm. or almost everybody. I've, I've not been deaf, I don't know, maybe they can feel it that way. But um, people Deaf could, people actually go to dances. Yeah. There are dances, yeah. and the it's the, uh, the the drums and all that, boom, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah, 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 the vibrations. Vibration. They feel it, right. yeah. So it's something that's that the eyes don't have necessarily. It's not in the eyes, which I love sight, I love mm-hmm. color and all that, but the music is, you can have it with your eyes closed. Um, I guess you can have it with your ears closed and feeling it. Um, so it's one of these things that's invisible, but, but, um, but everybody agrees it is there, is real is super real in some senses is like everybody knows music although where is it can we see it can we hold it is is it there if no one's playing it you know what where does it come from where does it go so it's one of these great mysteries that i have a i have a life to spend um delving 
into some kind of mystery. So I love to find something that's invisible, but certainly there. You say also on that same website that songwriting is a mystical experience as much as a practical experience. Mystical. Mystical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've actually got, I've been uh, developing a teaching curriculum, working with a couple folks in town and a couple from out of town, um, working on uh, a couple courses. One's mystifying music and the other's demystifying music. Um, Demystifying is, is your basic, like, you know, talk about how is how do you break down a song? What are the components of a song? Can I make a song with normal pieces? Um, but the other one, which I'm really excited about, is this: is the mystifying, mm-hmm. because a lot of times maybe we think music is. Um, you know, I know what music is. You know, you got your G chord, your C chord, you got your four on the floor drum beat, and then you know somebody sings something over the top of it. You know, that's music, right? That's what it is. But then. Uh, you know, the ethnomusicology or, or like you look at music from around the world, look at music from somewhere else. And, and somebody's music is like a drone right. for hours and hours and hours and then chanting over the top of that. And like, yeah, that's music too. And then yes. somebody else's music is like some strange vocal inflection that they do with their throat that you're, and, and that is also like what's going on there that's also music so then you come back you take those things that are happening around the world you come back to the music that's that we're familiar with the western pop music and you say well where's what's the common what's the common factor here because because i hear i hear magic when i hear music i hear something that touches my heart and rips me up out of my seat and says okay get out in the world and do something with yourself yeah. and that's to me a mystical a force that can inspire me to go to go do something, to change something, that's, I want, I want that. I want to know what that is. I want to know where that comes from and how to get, how to get it. Do you listen to birds singing? <laughs> um, I would love to say I listen to birds singing. Of course I do. Um, I'm, I'm super crazy and busy right now. I uh-huh. go, I go from my car to my house. I wolf down some food. I go out to my music studio. I write, I go outside. I think, oh yeah, they're at it again. Yeah, uh, they're they're always at it. You know, in the morning they they're out there, and and I you know it's really a more. I, you know, I think you could take the stance and say it's a much more pure form of music. It's like they're they're giving their heart and soul. They're not recording it. They don't. They're not considering or concerned with whether it sticks around or stays. They're just singing, and like what a gift that would be. You're crazy busy. You're always sitting in front of a device screen. Mm-hmm. You're doing essentially something that a lot of people have been trying to get away from, including a group in California that you spent some time with. Uh-huh. Camp Grounded, just a little background on Camp Grounded. It calls itself, I guess it's not in existence anymore, so you'll fill me in on that. Mm-hmm. It called itself a summer camp for adults and talked about digital detox. No cell phones or devices were allowed. How did you get involved with these people, and what was it all about? Well, that's that's a great question. I'm happy to talk about that because um, that that is uh, the digital detox, the summer camp, campground, and it changed my life completely. Huh. Um, and that was five, probably six years ago now. Um, it was started by a person called um, Levi Felix, whose camp name was Fidget Wigglesworth, <laughs> and him and his his two brothers and his girlfriend, um, and those four said well let's have a summer camp like we used to have summer camps except let's call all of our friends and even though we're older now like we can still have a summer camp right wasn't that great and uh and 
so they made a website that said we're having a summer camp and people signed up and so then they said oh well we've got we've got all these signups we got to make a summer camp <laughs> so they called a bunch of their other friends and uh, they called my who's my wife now um I didn't know her at the time, but they called her up and they'd met her on a mountain in Nicaragua and they had friends, um, they had friends that they know from all around the world. They called them all together and put this summer camp on in California. Wow. And it was a digital detox, detox. So when you show up at the summer camp, somebody's there in a hazmat suit um, with a box of dry ice and a tennis racket and they wave the tennis racket over your body like a wand and whenever <laughs> whenever it uh, reaches where your cell phone is or where your yeah. computer is they go beep 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 and they <laughs> shout and they take your stuff they put it in a biohazard bag and they take your your um, your computer and your phone and your wallet <laughs> and your passport well you know it gets right. a little culty but they take all that stuff and they lock it away for the weekend and right. they send you out to have milk and cookies and play frisbee on the lawn and swim in the creek and make friends and get your face painted and so it's it's a weekend without devices. I want to do that. I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. And it's amazing how the human brain resets after, you know, the first day you're like, oh, I got to check my phone. I feel nervous. Right. What am I going to do? And the second day you're like, oh, look, there's people over there and they're just talking to each other. And the third day you're covered in mud. You've got <laughs> 10 new friends. You're, you know, you're happy and not thinking about um, you know, text messages you have to respond to or emails. Oh, man, sounds like Nirvana. And this happened around the Redwood Forest area. It did, and we actually we took it around the uh, around the country, um, uh -huh. and it, we did it in Texas, in Connecticut, in um, um, New York. So we did it around for a while, um, for five years, and the founder passed away uh, two years ago. And since then, the company has, has sort of, like a mushroom, uh, sprouted many uh -huh. offshoots. And so now there's a group, our friends Camp Wonderful up in Connecticut, and... Huh. Um, uh, what's the other ones? Jeez, I, the names are blanking on me. But there's a few more that are happening. Um, custom camps is still happening in California. And there, there's some nearby that are going on. Oh. I want to find out about these things. And I guess that's why they invented Google. That's right. Which uh, is, we're going to go to that to find out about it. And then once we find out about <laughs> it, we'll go away from Google. That's, that's kind <laughs> of the hope. Yeah. You are involved with the balladeers. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Balladeers. It's spelled differently than one would expect from balladeers. This one is spelled B-A-L-L-A-D-I-R-S. That is correct. What are the balladeers? So balladeers is, uh, is Travis Punterelli, after having talked to many, um, many wise and intelligent music industry people who said, Travis Punterelli, you need to fix your branding. And I said, oh, I don't even know what that is. And <laughs> it sounds like business to it me. It sounds like business. Yeah. So that's been, my, my past two years have been, um, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm not incorporated, but maybe I am now, incorporated. Anyway, balladeers is my attempt at, um, at sort of defining what I do in a word. So it's, uh, I, I do ballads a lot of the time, but not quite ballads. So that's why I changed the spelling balladeer um mm -hmm. and then so balladeers is my is my little group i've got a great little group um that plays around bloomington sometimes um and actually two of the members are one of the members is in europe right now one of them's going to california so the group is all all over the place but uh but i'm here and uh we'll, we'll we will certainly be doing some stuff in the future what then is the bard style the bard style um so you remember you remember bards? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah. So the the old um, the old it's kind of like a troubadour. Yeah. Um, but the bards were also teachers of wisdom. They would teach and carry wisdom, as in 
they carried a body of work inside of their tradition. So they'd learn songs or stories or riddles or poems um, and, and carry on this oral, tra- oral tradition from person to person. Um, and uh, supposedly there were schools or great bard schools back in the yeah. day. Um, I think that most of them were massacred um, at some point early, the, the, at least the, the bards of Ireland and um, oh the UK, yeah. where there was some cleansing or something like that that happened of the of the musician class in the 1600s. Yikes. So kind of looking at and remembering that and wishing, wishing, you know, I could talk to somebody from then that could teach me what they knew because they must have known great things, you know. Yeah. Somebody that, you know, carrying on traditions of music, oral traditions of music for thousands of years. And some of those traditions do survive. Um, like there's certain African lines of, I don't remember what they're called, but the, the bards that would travel around Africa and keep the lineage of kings. Like I've, I've heard that those people still exist where they know the names of families and families and families way, way, way back. And they even know what the families did. And, so th- and they, they carry the songs also. So, so just trying to revive this, this concept of, of the musician not as necessarily a uh, a producer of music, but more as a carrier of wisdom, hmm. as a carrier of, of tradition, wisdom, culture. Connecting different peoples and different times. Yes, yes. Reaching. Yes, and, and part of that mystical, um, mystical thing we were talking about before is the, um, the fact that I can sing a song right now that someone 300 years ago sang also yeah and i can i can use my body use my mouth my vocal cords to produce the same thing that somebody back then did right and and there's no difference besides inflection and you know maybe something in the tune it's changed a little bit but i can i can do this sort of complicated um, magical musical pattern that somebody hundreds of years ago was doing and i think that connects us my guest, Travis Punterelli, who is a musician and a storyteller and a teacher. Before we started, you told me about something, and you said it would be a good idea to talk about them around the point of the balladeers. Puppet soup. Puppet soup. What is that? That's right. Um, so puppet soup was, I, I, it's really, it doesn't exist anymore in, I mean, it has, doesn't write this second, but Puppet Soup was a project that I did with uh, Kim Deter and uh, Evelyn Walker mm-hmm. and a great other group of people, um, probably, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. And it was a, a group of local community that were interested in puppets and interested in theater and interested in music. Um, and we started out in a living room just saying, yes, you know, like, can we make some puppets? And Kim was like, yes. And puppets? Like, can we make some theater music to go along with it? And they're like, yes, of course. So we, just using the talents of these people plus a other amazing community here, we built a couple puppet shows and, and ran the puppet shows around town a couple of times. And, now, uh, how were these puppets manipulated? We had different kinds. We had sock puppets. Uh-huh. We had kind of action figure puppets that you just held with your hand. We had <laughs> stick puppets, and we had marionettes also. Yes, with strings, With right. strings. Yeah. And uh, so a little bit of everything, and the music was a um, key element. So we had, it was, it was puppet musicals, really. Um, and I'm, I wanted to mention it because we are, um, we, I've been doing that with the balladeers, and we've been working with Carpenter Owl, which is Danny Weddle. He's got tiny houses. He built oh. tiny houses in town. Yeah. And he built, uh, this year, he built a concert car. So the car seats 16, 20 people, and uh, you can get inside of it and have shows. 
So wow. I think we'll actually have that at the Fourth Street Festival uh, coming up here pretty soon. And yeah, in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So and so we've been doing puppet shows out of out of the back of his uh, his tiny house. Wow, you are involved with all sorts of arts. You have been the host or the co-host at least mm-hmm. of something called Art Night. That's true. Still going on? Still going on. However, um, I'm expecting a baby. I've, I've been the host. Um, yeah. I, and I'm expecting a baby next month. So right now we are... This is your second. This is our, this is our second. Yeah. 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 So uh, we're kind of... I'm kind of on hold. We'll probably... Art nights have been sort of like, hey, there's an art night. And call your friends kind of thing like that. So it's been kind of, kind of word of mouth, I, I would say. I attended an art night on a beautiful evening in February this year and people got down on the floor while music was being played and they drew pictures and there were kids and adults and it was just fun yes and it was just light Hmm. that was your aim i suppose that absolutely is the aim and it's bringing i really want to cross cross disciplines with the arts because we're i feel artists we we're often like it's me against the world, but it's not really. It's artists against the world, or artists against the establishment that yeah. thinks that we should fund uh, military rather than um, education and arts. Which right. um, you know, I I want to see artists coming together, and I love what I see when artists come together. Because like you saw at the at the art night, um, we invite people to bring their own crayons and. Right. People show up with art supplies, and then we usually supply a couple musicians or invite a couple musicians to do whatever they want. Sometimes we've had poetry, we've had book readings, yes, um, a couple other things. I'm trying to get more storytelling in there, mm-hmm. um, just to cross discipline. And what you know, what happens when someone's painting and somebody's telling a story? Like those those things talk to each other. And art, art, recorded art. We know, you know, we're so familiar with media. We know what recorded art is. It's great, but it doesn't always talk back to you. Yeah. Where getting together in community and making art together, that is an interactive thing, and that changes. And with people. With people. With people. <laughs> now, yes. uh, when I attended this thing, it was in a, uh, a second floor, large open space that you had rented. That's true. And you're going to be in a variety of different locations as time goes on. That's what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. How can someone find out when and where the next one might be? I have a, the Facebook works um, for me. I usually post things up there. So Your personal Facebook. Uh, Balladeer, the same way ah, we spelled it. There you go. The B- and again, that's B-A-L-L-A-D-I-R. That's correct. Facebook. On Facebook, I also have a website, which is the same, balladeer.com. Uh-huh. Um, so I will post up when the art nights are going to be. I also post up. I do. I play around town quite a bit, so I post it up there also. La, 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 la. We've run out of time, so join us Monday for Big Talk Extra during the 5 p.m. daily local news for more of this conversation. La, la. Travis Punterelli, I'm really happy you were with us on Big Talk. Thanks, Michael. It's been great talking with you and having, having you lead me through this. You wrap it all up so nice. Mm-hmm.